Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now, thank you so much, called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year, and each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Com and definitely check out those shows as well. Sin Fabre is the author of Wolf Hustle, A Black Woman on Wall Street. Sin is a New Yorker born and raised in the South Bronx and Queens. At the age of 19, she joined a brokerage house on Wall Street, eventually becoming a high-earning broker at a top firm before leaving in search of a more meaningful life. Today, she divides her time between New York City and Europe and enjoys spending time with her wife and four children. Wolf Hustle is her first book. Welcome, Sin. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss your memoir, Wolf Hustle, A Black Woman on Wall Street. Thank you. I'm really happy to actually have a conversation. It's so sweet to like kind of be on a, a call with someone that kind of gets books and understands the writing, the process. <laughs> so I don't think I could ever get tired of this, actually. So I'm glad to always have this conversation. Oh, well, I'll just settle in then. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I also never get tired of hearing about 
how authors end up writing and their process and their lives. And I don't know, a memoir is such a, such an act of generosity. I feel like when you share your story. So, so why don't you tell listeners a little about how, why did you decide to share your story? Let's just start there and then we'll go into your actual story. Why did you take, why did, yeah, why write it? Why share it? You know, there's so many different reasons why I wrote that story. Um, I think one of the main reasons is as I think when I saw my 19 year old, she's 19 now, but I saw her as a teenager just starting to struggle um, because they have the presence of social media, something I didn't have when I was a teenager and how their that was affecting their lives. And I have four kids. I do, I do too. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Great. So you understand. So, and just seeing like when I was, I remember just having co- more conversations with my friends, like being out with them. It wasn't all about chatting and texting and granted because we didn't have those type of devices then that's probably why. I mean, that's the obvious reason, but I love the face-to-face conversation even to this day. And so what I wanted to show my kids was like, this is what I used to do. And I know that telling that to them goes nowhere. Like they don't get it. Like, and I get it. And I get that they don't get it. You know what I mean? I can't say, yeah, I used to pay a dollar for this. Well, okay, mom, great. That was 25 years ago. No one cares about it. So I'm like, if I write it, because I know when I read something and if it's more visual, you, you incorporate it differently and you absorb it differently. And this was a great way, instead of having sporadic conversations about saying, hey, this is what I did as a kid. This is how I persevered. Not saying our lives are the same, But I want to just show you a different uh, perspective of what you can do. And so that was one of the main reasons. The other one was I was always seeing the same narrative of Wall Street. It was always white men on Wall Street. And I get that's what Wall Street 25 years hasn't changed since I've been in the business. But there is other people in the business that represent Wall Street. And, you know, I feel like even growing up, women never wanted to really necessarily talk about finance. It was like, you know. That's not something we talk about. We can't tell you how much we pay for our house. We can't tell you how we're investing. And I'm like, we should talk about it. Let's talk about the 90s. Let's talk about Wall Street. I was there. I lived it. For me, I want people to feel like it's a welcome space. They don't necessarily feel like they don't belong. And there are other stories besides the same one that we keep saying. We saw Wolf of Wall Street. We saw Boiler Room. You know, we saw Wall Street. We've, it's being replayed on loop. But this is my take and this is what happened for me. So I was like, I'll just write about it. That's the best way to get people to understand it. I'm so glad you did. And I love that in the book, you spend almost the first half really immersing us in your family history, your childhood, how you got there. And so by the time you get to Wall Street, we're like totally in it with you. Like, I feel like I am like walking in and I'm like going out of that what are you, opt- optometrist shop. Is that the right? <laughs> I'm like, okay. And that is such like a badass thing that you did, by the way. That is so cool. So why don't you just tell how you were working at what age you were and when you were working and how you decided to like go into this business because it's so untraditional. It's not through the, uh, you know, it's just so bold and awesome and amazing. So just tell that story. I love that. Yeah. You know, so my first intro to Wall Street, um, without telling too many people that haven't read it, was in high school. I had never heard about, you know, what a stock market was. And I was like, wow, what is that? And that's obviously just lack of resources and having that information. And, you know, as I was working as a high school kid in eyeglasses, I rose really quickly to like one of the best salespeople where I was actually being recruited to different stores. And, you know, by the time I'm 19, I'm making 50, 60,000, which, you know, 25 years ago wasn't chump change. It was a good amount of money to make as a kid. And I think for a lot of people, they're like that. This is great. This is good money. You're doing really good. But I always knew there was more. 
You know what I mean? I knew that I, there was no limit on what I could do. So when this woman walked in and she told me she was a stockbroker one day as I was selling her glasses, that to me was like, wow, if she could be a stockbroker, I could be a stockbroker. <laughs> like that was literally my moment. I was like, oh my God, I could be a broker too. Anyone can do it. You know, and that's literally what I was thinking. It was like anyone could do it. So, because you describe her as like so disheveled and all of this stuff, and you're like her. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. Like, and you know, I actually love that she was that person, right? Because she didn't give me that. I think when we think about what we were intimidated by, just everything we know about it—the money, the flashiness, like the suits, the watches—and that will keep a demographic of people out of the market. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, I can't do that. I'm not that person. But when I saw her, I was like, I definitely got this girl's number. I could do this. And so um, just a couple of weeks later, I got, I, it was just like all came down. I got in, in a, uh, kind of like a foray into it by a guy that I knew that was like, hey, Sin, I think you'd be great for the birth. And I was like, okay, I can do this. And literally that's how I go. And I know that I'm kind of like summarizing it real quick. But I think what's important for me is for people to understand, I never had any doubt that I could be a stockbroker. I never once thought I couldn't do it. There was nothing that made me feel like this wasn't my house. You know what I mean? This thing that, and I never felt like a guest. I felt like we're all building this house together. You know, so I want to stay in this house. And what do I need to do to make sure I stay? It's kind of like a big brother. You want to stay in that house. You don't want to go. You know what I mean? And so I just had to figure it out. And I figured it out. And, you know, I think one of the most defining moments was me standing up to um, my boss at the time and just saying, I need to just do something different. And I think that is kind of how I was able to propel forward to being able to become a stockbroker and then landing the biggest client of the firm. So it it was really fun. (laughs) It was a great time. Oh my gosh. You had this one passage. Is it okay if I read this early on um, about your ambition? You said, my ambition has always devoured all of the oxygen in the room so that I can grow bigger, sparking to catch and expand hungrily beyond the neatly kept boundaries that polite society says that I shouldn't cross. Fire keeps no borders and neither do I. I am not afraid to burn those who cross me. It is how I've always lived my life, whether it's scrambling to sell lunch tickets to make a few dollars in high school or surpassing the expectation of the good old boys in the boardroom. A fire is always in motion and I've never stopped moving forward. So good. I love that you read that. Like it sounds so like it just sounds like I think. You know, it's funny because I know with you, your own book, right? When you're writing, you never get tired of reading it. You could read the same thing 20, 30, 40, 50 times. And what sometimes the way you interpret it, it's interpreted so many different ways by other people. And they see things that maybe necessarily I didn't know when I was writing it, but the way they interpret it is just so, for me, so inspiring because someone has said, oh my God, I read this and this made me think this way. I felt this way. And so even when you're reading it, I still have these chills because. I still feel the same way. Nothing's changed. You know, I feel that energy. I feel that fire. I feel that desire. And more importantly, it's the passion, right? Because passion for me will take you anywhere and everywhere you want to go in this world. I truly believe that. And it doesn't matter what it is. And and it, it could be that you want to be the best teacher. It could be that you want to be the best nurse. It could be that you want to be, you know, the best judge, whatever it is. If you're passionate about it, you're going to find a way there. And I think for me, my story is to tell people, I get that there's a lot of things going on. I didn't have the same kind of, I want to say because of obviously COVID and, you know, we're so much more exposed to the world because we have social media and we have the internet. 
I was kind of shielded from that. So I was able to kind of put my head down and just focus on what I wanted to do. But I also knew when to pick my head up, which was really important because I was able to say, I want to do something and nothing was going to stop me. And I think it's just important in the times that we're going through right now that people hear that message. Don't forget about it. Yeah. I think being driven is amazing, right? People, you just have that drive. You have to like keep going and it's, it's great. Especially if you find the right lane to put your drive in, right? Like yeah. car, your car charging forward. Sometimes you just don't know if you're in the right lane or not. But uh, clearly, you found your lane for a while. And that also, I mean, you write in the book about waking up with a cockroach like in on your lip, in your mouth. I mean, to yeah. go from that to like dealing with all of these people and situations, and and then having to combat these horrific men you interacted with. I mean, the guy, especially, I mean, that I like, can't stop thinking about who like showed you all those pictures of his oh. nether region yeah. as you like get into work. I mean, the idea that this was so commonplace and like, okay, for so long when now you can't even like have a, like a, a sanctioned relationship start in the workplace. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this was all going on and it's, it's just insane. And I, you were just, you just wouldn't take it. You were just like, I don't want, no. And they, they turned and skedaddled. It's, it was so cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that. I think that so many people, when they think about, you know, standing up for yourself, sometimes you get, you know, believe it or not, you get punished for like being on the defense. You know, sometimes it's always about how you, you should turn the cheek and, you know, look the other way and be a bigger person. But we're forgetting that when you're in a, a situation where you're the minority, and that could be w- whether it's race, whether religion, whether it's gender, or however you identify, you have to say something. You have to make your path. You have to stand up for yourself, right? And if and if not, then what we're saying it's a, it's okay. And for me, I was like, oh no way. There's nothing special about these guys. I literally, I still feel that way. Nothing <laughs> special about them. There wasn't anything there, anyone there that can do what I thought I could do. Just given the opportunity, it is about opportunity. And so when you even mentioned like having that the roach in my mouth and growing up that way in the projects, right? I shared that because I want people to understand that I've had it. I got it. Like I've been there too. I've had a lot of things happen and I don't write everything in the book, but I give you a little bit of the life that I led and why it was important for you to see where I came from and where I knew I could go had I put my mind to it. And that's what was really important for me to kind of show in the book. Because even with all the obstacles, I still found a way to find some humor in it, believe it or not. You know, I had to kind of laugh. You laugh a little bit at your pain because that's what gets you going. I totally agree. There's sort of no other way through. (laughs) Yeah. If you want to make it through, you have to laugh. Otherwise. You have to. You have to. Okay. One other paragraph that you wrote, and then I'll stop reading. You said, mosquitoes are relentless. Swat one away and it will come back undeterred to bite you again and again, leaving angry red welts that you can't soon forget. It feeds off you, gorging itself, and it will not stop until you are forced to kill it, squashing its little insect body against your arm or thigh, smearing your own blood across your skin, a streaked reminder that it stole from you. The men at my firm, and I'll hazard a guess everywhere else on Wall Street, or mosquitoes. It's too bad I couldn't squash them with a simple, sharp slap. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Even in winter, they were there. So <laughs> at least with the mosquitoes, you know, okay, at some point they're going away. Uh, this was all year round, you know, and if it were that simple, um, yeah, we'd all be in a better place. We wouldn't be worried about, you know, what mosquitoes carry and getting bit and scratched. And, you know, I think for me, like knowing that they were always going to come, I think it's, to be prepared mentally was why I needed to always be ready for them. 
Mm-hmm. And I think when you know that, that puts you in this frame of mind all the time. I got to be on my game. I have to be sharp. I have to be the wittiest. I have to find a way to let them not get to me because they're going to survive no matter what happens. I may not. And so knowing that they were always coming for me was always like, all right, I got you. I got my net ready, you know? So yeah, that's actually a really great paragraph. And I hope a lot of people can take away from that because I know people are still going through that in the workplace now. And I think the 90s is something we really don't talk about. Like, honestly, Zibi, I don't know for you, but the 90s was like one of the best decades ever. You know, everything happened in the 90s. We're talking about music, drugs, money. New York pre 9-11, like it was happening, it was popping. And I think that I'm trying to bring us back to that in a bit because we can still have a good time. We just have to find how we get there and how we learn to enjoy what we have. And so to me, that was really important to talk about the things that happened and the time that I was growing up because I take away only good things, really. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It still shocks me that the 90s weren't like yesterday. I know that sounds ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, of course. The 90s are amazing. <laughs> well, I feel like, Remember Palladium? Yes, <laughs> yes. Yes, I went to Limelight. Oh, my gosh. I finished my last, I shouldn't even say this, the day I finished my last like final in high school for before Christmas break, like some other people had finals the next day, but the rest of us like went to Limelight. <laughs> like, that was so cool. Oh, my gosh. Anyway. Limelight was so cool. So, yeah, that's that's fun still. To me, that's still like great. You know what I mean? And yes. I pass it when I'm in Chelsea. I'm like, oh, my God, Limelight still, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, your book is kind of like the act, you know, the bug spray that people need against the mosquitoes. Like if there's one thing, you know, they can like put this all over themselves. <laughs> <laughs> what about the lesson you've taken away in terms of, you know, dealing with wealth for the lifetime of, you know, you have a, an author's note at the end where you encourage people to take better care of, sort of their financial lives and make some plans and not get sucked in or be unprepared. Like when you're making a lot of money, you can feel like it's going to happen forever, but then one day it stops and what then, and how do you plan for that? And, you know, I do also think that is something that is not talked about, especially with so many like celebrities and athletes. And then what happens next? Can you talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, you know, the, the irony is uh, I walked into the business not knowing anything about Wall Street, about finances. That wasn't something that I had access to. And so when I left Wall Street, I had more information, but it wasn't anything that was given to me. I had to do the research. And I think even when you mention now, like athletes and celebrities and entertainers that are not necessarily talking about money, it's funny because money is still some type of taboo to talk about, but we should talk about it because that's how we all do better if we have information. And not having that information is really, really um, important on how we move forward. I think it's important for you know our kids to learn about how to work. You know, And my kids all have to work. Everyone knows that you get gifts a couple times a year, but anything else in between, you have to find a way how to make your own money, right? Because if I'm not here, who is going to provide for you? So that's why I think those that information is important. Also, this generational wealth gap that we have right now, you know, that's directly linked to financial resources and financial liter- literacy. So I think that it's something that we should all take very seriously. I think it, it, it will change the way how we move through life if we have that information. And I also think it's important about how we are able to change the dynamics for the people that are coming up behind us. Mm -hmm. So that was important for me to write that because I I will never, never be able to escape that I walked into this business not knowing a thing about money. And so tell me about your life now. Can you do a fast forward, like a, a preview or something without giving away the book? Like what's what are what's where are you putting the drive aside from writing this this book? Where where is it going? What are you up to? So, you know, one of the things I'm in uh, negotiation, even as of you know, in the next day or so, depending on when this is being broadcast, I'm in negotiation for this as a film. Amazing. So that's going to hopefully, you know, I can't give obviously too much information, but that's where I'm at with this because um, I think a lot of people saw something that they've never seen, which was so amazing about the interest that I had in the book. And it's funny because I kind of wrote the book. I was like, this would be great for television or screen one day. And, you know, that was one of my goals. And to know that that's going to happen is very exciting. But what's important to me also is the message that I relate throughout the book about how you, where you come from, how you take that information, how you move with it. I'm also on my second book. So I'm kind of writing something totally different from Wall Street, but it just kind of gives you the themes of it is it's kind of a little bit how I was able to live my life and take that information and how I was able to move forward to kind of my next hustle. Um, because I got a lot of people emailing me about what was your next hustle? What'd you do after? Like yeah. you kind of left us on a cliffhanger. Can you talk more about your brother? So that is actually in the works. And I've been kind of enjoying living in Europe with my family. You know, we lived in Portugal, Lisbon for a year. That was really different for the kids. And now I'm here in Paris. I think I'll be here for the foreseeable future, but I'm in New York a lot and I'm going, you know, back and forth all the time. But to be honest with you, I'm all about just kind of chilling. Like in my book, you can tell, like, as much as I love to be hardcore, I like to relax. I like my two hour lunches. (laughs) You know what I mean? I love just walking into stores for an hour. I just like to just enjoy. And I really love to enjoy people's company. I love to laugh, you know, so... And as I look at you, you have like these big dimples that I'm like staring at. <laughs> That's so big. It's, I know, it's like sorry. You have one smile and two extra smiles hanging out over there on the side. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I think this is a great time to just, you know, really be accepting of where you're at in life. And for me, that's what I'm doing. I'm just trying to enjoy life and just do it my way. I love that. That's amazing. It's like work hard, play hard. Isn't that another 90s, 80s <laughs> maxim? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, why did you go to Port- Portugal and then Paris? How did you pick those? 
I thought, um, because I love Lisbon and I thought it would be a good place to reset, you know, especially coming after COVID. I wanted to be able to never be stuck in one place again. You know, that was hard for everyone. I'm sure you get it. And if you have four kids, you know, it's, it's hard to balance all of that and stay sane. So I was like, we need to all reset somewhere. And it was a great place to reset. But Paris to me is just something beautiful about it. It's just very, I love that you can just sit like on a corner and you could be by yourself and just people are smoking or drinking. You don't need to have 10 people around you. People enjoy themselves here. You know what I mean? So I think for me, Europe is just, you know, one of those things that I always said I would come to and live. And that's what I'm doing. These are my French elves here, Dobian <laughs> Creature. I got them eight years ago. <laughs> and, and they're on this ride. You see his little little bag there. <laughs> it's a little French bag. But yeah, I just, I really encourage people, like if anything, COVID has taught us this really to try to just enjoy yourself, enjoy, you know, others, and more importantly, just travel when you can. Totally agree. Oh my gosh. Well, now I want to just come to Paris and, you know, <laughs> I don't sit on the street. Well, if you have a friend here, you can come. You know, oh, I so. love it. Yes, I will call you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me about reading. What do you like to read? Do you like to read? What do you like to read? When do you like to read? You know, I like, that's a good question. I pretty much like everything. I don't have one specific genre that I will say, I only read this. I think if it makes sense, I'm going to read it. Like, I'll even look at a cookbook for two days and be like, oh man, what do they put in this? Mm, that looks yummy. Like, you know what I mean? Obviously, I have to say I love nonfiction because I wrote one, you know, memoirs, but I also like thrillers. You know, I love the suspense of who's going to get caught, who isn't. You know, I love stuff like that. So, yeah, I really love anything that just makes sense at the time to read. And I actually love historical fiction or, you know, I like to go back in time. So when Bridgerton came out, I was like, I already knew these words. My wife was like, how did you know to say that? I'm like, oh, because I read that stuff all the time. <laughs> She's like, oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> so believe it or not, I like old school stuff like that. So yeah. And besides that, I love softball. I love a good cocktail, a good craft cocktail. And I love taking long, meaningless walks, just nowhere. I'll just walk for hours and just kind of hang out. So that's, that's sin in a box, really. Yes, in an advice. I feel like you could brand that, you know? So, <laughs> anyway. Okay, what advice do you have for aspiring authors? You know, one of the things is what I first heard when I was when I wrote the when I wrote my book, I remember someone was like, you know, you have like no followers. You have like no <laughs> social media. And I'm like, and it's funny because I told the person, you know, I'm still pretty much at the same. I mean, I'm a little bit better, <laughs> but I have this thing where I really believe that even if someone is telling you you can't do something, it's not the norm, be the anomaly. I'll be the different one. I'll try something someone said I couldn't do. You know what I mean? I love that, like, you know, one of the things you posted was about women in publishing. Like, that's really important, right? Because there's not enough of that, right? And I'm sure people have said, oh, that's tough. That's really hard to get into. You gotta, someone has to do it. Someone has to be the first. You know what I mean? So, Someone has to go in and say, we, there's space for us. And if there isn't, make space. And so I think that's what I will always tell people. Even if you're at the disadvantage, I always saw myself as the advantage. I've never, ever looked at myself as someone that was, you know, at the disadvantage. So going in with that mindset has always helped me go forward and not to have self-doubt. And granted, I know that it's easy, you know, sometimes people can mis mistake arrogance they think, if, don't mistake my confidence for arrogance ever. I think what's important is for me, like, I had to have that. You know, those type of lives that we all live, everyone has to build something to protect themselves. So for me, it was like, I know that I can do whatever it is I want. And I think 
yeah, that fake it till you make it. There's nothing wrong with that. I know some people are against that. I'm like, why not? What's wrong with that? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, do what you have to do to win. I mean, within reason, obviously. <laughs> but I don't have a problem with that. I've never had it because, you know, when I walked in, I thought I was a stockbroker too. I was like, oh yeah, I'm a stockbroker. I just don't have a license. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there. And so if you can think it, you can do it. And so don't let anyone tell you otherwise, you know? And even when I was writing the book, I remember someone's like, have you ever written any? No, but today will be my first day. I'm going to try. And so here I am today, you know, having a conversation with you and hopefully, uh, hopefully, excuse me, inspiring, you know, other people to go do the same and reach for it is whatever they want to do. That's so awesome. That like gives me goosebumps. That was so, that's amazing. And I, I feel the same way. I'm like, I'll figure it out. Like, let me try it. Like not everybody doesn't always go to everything with the whole guidebook already written, right? We all have to figure it out. So we might as well do what we want to do. And I mean, even if it sounds hard, like I'm not afraid of hard, like hard is just something. No. You do. So yeah, I'm simpatico here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Sin, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you for your book and for sharing so openly about your feelings, your family, your career, your life. It was really moving to read and I, you know, I won't soon forget it. It was really impactful. So I'm really glad you shared your story. Oh, thank you for having me. And also, you know, I'm inspired by the, so many other authors that are writing and telling their stories as well. And I think that we have that group that we all get it, how hard it is to do things. And when we get to a certain place, I hope that we all share, you know what I mean? Sharing information is so important. So hello to every other author out there and I'm rooting for you. So sweet. I love it. Thank you, Sin. <laughs> all right. Have a good one. Take care. Have a great day. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 